Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Hey, welcome to the Maximum Mom Podcast. I am so excited today to have Devin Moody Graham, who you are just going to love. She is just charming. Devin, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. And thank you so much for dealing with all my technological troubles getting on. I appreciate your patience. I love that you had a little lunch to eat in the meantime. <laughs> no problem. Not perfect. a problem at all. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Sometimes, you know, technology just gets us. So, well, I really am so excited to have you. Devin and I share some kind of interesting things. I mean, the fact that we both truly love the South just makes my heart happy. And the fact that we both are, we've had four children, but we've had a hand in raising six. So I kind of find that to be awesome. Devin is an international business strategist, consumer behavior specialist, and impact speaker with over 13 years of experience in market expansion, marketing strategy, revenue stream creation, and business development. Whoa. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Devin, tell us in just your regular talk, what do you do? You know what? I go in and make sure that businesses are clear so that they can grow and have sustainability so that we can live these fabulous, great, stress-free lives like while we're making money. So that's what I do in a nutshell. <laughs> and I, I love that. that. I love the while we're making money. That's kind of awesome. I love that. That is super awesome. Well, tell us a little bit first. I always like to know Tell us who makes up your family. I know you've got a busy one too. So tell us about your family. Yes. So my family consists of my husband, Curtis, our mind, look, our five minor children who are home, Gregory, who's a senior in high school, Turl, who just is in his last year of middle school. We have another middle school, Kennedy, uh, well, almost, she's fourth grade. Carly is in second grade and Kobe has started pre-K, thank you. And our adult daughter, <laughs> Jamasha, who is a beautiful, great big sister and who's made us like grandparents as well. It's hard for me to say that. <clears throat> I mean. But I love, love, yeah, I know, right? Like, so that's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. That is a whole lot. Now, we have not hit that grandparent stage yet, so I kind yeah. of find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah, no, I bet saying that is definitely... Kind I of can't a, say it. They joke with me. I can't say it. I'm like, call me Mimi or something. Like, that... Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so funny, though, but they are so super sweet, girl and a boy, so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I just think being a grandparent has got to be so, so fun. Yeah, because I give them everything that their mom says they can't have, but then I send them home with their mom. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the best part of it, I would think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm totally like waiting for that. You know, I don't know, though. I might be waiting for a long time, I think. But, you know, whatever. I'm good with it. <laughs> so... I understand that you have a lot of thoughts around flexibility and how 
our businesses and how we can bring flexibility to things. Tell us a little bit about how have you dealt with the flexibility in your business and in your life and how has that impacted your ability to raise such a big family? So, you know what, of course it didn't happen overnight. I was, I became a business owner because I, my, both my parents are business owners. My mom was a stay at home mom. She helped support my dad's business who he's been a cobbler forever. So I got to see that interaction and what it really meant to be a business owner, you know, the ups, the downs, like all those things. And I just really knew after working several um, corporate positions and things, I learned so many great things, but I ultimately knew I wanted more flexibility around being there for kids. And I didn't know I was going to have such a big family. I mean, starting off, I had my, I had one son when I left college and I went to grad school and I'm working. And I actually wasn't even thinking about marriage. I wasn't thinking about a big family because I come from a huge family. So I was not like, oh, I just want to have all these kids. And so, of course, getting married and after having children, I'm like, okay, I have to be present for all of these children. You know what I mean? Like, it it was like, okay, what am I going to do? And so it made so much sense for me to work in my consulting so that I can be available, but also do something that I love and it's impactful to, you know, to help prepare for their future and mine. So I didn't always have that part figured out. Of course, people think that when you leave a nine to five, oh, I have, a, I'm going to have, make my own schedule and it's so sexy and it's all great. No, you leave a nine to five to work like a 5 a.m. to 3 a.m. You know what I mean? When you got your own business. So it was really creating systems around that. It was learning how to delegate, which took me some time to delegate certain tasks. And it was like, okay, how do I make this work and not be insane? (laughs) I mean, it's so true. Right. And still like with, with, with even figuring that part out, I figured out that there was so many more people who needed that help as well. And it's so funny that um, now, look, you're going to be the first person outside of my, like my confidants that I tell about something that I'm working on, which will be called. Yeah. So you're the, you're the first it's called launch for your life because after like going through COVID, you know, we're still in it, but you know, going through those first two very difficult years with being isolated, people really reevaluating priorities, reevaluating the importance of work, people finding out, oh, I can stay home, work from home more, more people working from home, finding that flexibility, people wanting to be with their families because of all the changes and loss and things that happened. It was like, it's, it's more important now than ever that I share the ups, the downs, and what I did to actually be able to be present, do what I love, but still have a life. Yep. I mean, still be present in the life that you want with your family. Right. So that journey is still ongoing, but you have to write it down. That's my first thing. Writing that down, writing that journey. Like, what is it that you want and not putting it in these long five year goals? We need, you know, month goals. We need three month goals, six months. We need a goal for the week. And so that's going to say like, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes for me, it's we need a goal for the day. I need to for the day. how am I going to get the most important things done? How am I going to mm-hmm. be present for whatever child might need me? And my children are young adults, but I am here to tell you, young adults have needs. Any yes. thoughts that those people go off and they don't have needs, let me just get rid of those thoughts because my children are highly independent in their lives, you know, working, school, doing whatever. But when they need to talk about important stuff, 
I'm the person they're going to be calling. And so there are many times I get a mom, I need to talk to you today. It's kind of urgent. And it's like, well, so is the other 92 things that, you know, people are (laughs) wanting to talk to me about, but, you know, trying to juggle all that. I mean, yeah. And so I actually posted something this morning. It's so kind of apt that we're discussing this today. Literally every single day on my daily calendar is joy and self-care. Like, and I write down, what am I doing that brings me joy? And now my joy is kind of lame. I mean, admittedly, it could just be like reading a book snuggled up with my cat. But whatever that is, it's going to be on my calendar and I am going to do it. I love that. I have a saying that I say, put you on your calendar. We schedule everything else for everybody else. Put you on your calendar. And so when I started to do that, I started to feel less tension. I started to feel less resentment about the things that I knew I already had to do. That resentment is crazy. It's like, you knew you had to do those things. You knew that it was a lot, but you didn't take the time you needed to recharge before you did those things that you knew you had to do. So now you're mad at a thing. (laughs) You're mad because you had to do this thing, but you knew that. So you have to put yourself on your calendar right along with everything else. I think that is so true. There's a book that a lot of us lawyers, especially in this maximum lawyer group, we all read it. We all, it's called profit first. And it's all about paying yourself Mm -hmm. first, like putting aside Mm -hmm. that profit. And I always think of, just like you said, I always think of Elise first, like what can I put on my Mm -hmm. calendar I have my little joy and then I have self-care. So I have both of those every single day on my calendar and they're at the top of my daily calendar. And so I write what I'm doing. That's my joy and what I'm doing. That's my self-care. And again, it could be something as simple as that. I'm taking a hot tub. I'm chilling in the hot tub for 30 minutes. That's my self-care, you know, but whatever it is, I'm going to put it on my calendar and I'm going to know I'm going to do it and nothing and I mean, nothing gets in the way of my joy and self-care. Like those things shall happen. And it really has made me, I think, much less resentful, just like you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. I love that. And the more we do that and get in the habit of this, and I have a friend of mine who works terribly long hours as a nurse practitioner, but she also has a company that she started around her journey for self-care because she's caring for so many other people. And it's called self, I think it's called selfish, the selfish company, because we have to get in the habit of taking care of self because no one can take care of us the way we can. And then we have to also teach people how to treat us. So it's like, yeah, nobody can know they won't know you have to teach people how to treat you but you also attract how you treat yourself so if you're treating yourself you know like you are last on the list then why should somebody else treat you like you're not of course you have great people who will still do it but if you're always putting yourself last you are giving others permission sometimes to put you last as well so we got to think about that I love that. I had never thought about it that way. I mean, that is such an interesting reframe to think not only how are you doing it for yourself, but how are you modeling it for every Mm -hmm. single person around you? Because no doubt that modeling comes into play all the time in how people are treating you. I love that. 
oh, girl, I think I need to send my calendar out to people and be like, notice this joy and self-care at the top of Yes, yes, notice this. Like, this time is booked. This is my time. This is this right. is it. And treating people how to treat you and understanding that boundaries are healthy. I remember when I first started hearing, you know, people throw that term around, around boundaries. Why was I afraid of boundaries? I was like, oh, if I set boundaries, am I going to offend somebody? Am right. I going to, you know, those things? And it's like, no, there's boundaries for a reason in sports there's out of bounds line there's an out of bounds for a reason in every sport right so it's like okay if this if in the sport you can't go out of this area or it doesn't count or whatever you're doing doesn't count then why not in my life can I create these lines where look hey you out of bounds these are the boundaries and you are out of bounds (laughs) exactly but I mean, I think COVID helped us so much. I mean, both helped, but also yeah. was kind of painful, right. obviously, right. for many. But I mean, seeing those boundaries just get mm-hmm. crossed constantly where women were kind of brought back into the home, you know, from their mm-hmm. work environments and they're homeschooling their kids, they're dealing with yep. whatever. And I mean, as we've seen in, you know, the great resignation and what's gone on mm-hmm. with women in the world of how many women have not gone back into the workforce yep. because of these blurry boundaries. And I don't know if you've ever read, but I mean, I am like a rabid fan of Eve Rodsky's Fair Play. And mm. really, oh, girl, you have got. I, I'm writing. I'm taking uh, notes. I'm taking oh, yeah. notes. Okay, Write that down. Get the book. I get the it. card game. It is game changing in your life. It is a system of how to bring equality and gender equity into your home. Okay. It is. I love it. Powerful, powerful. And it's all about boundaries. It's all about like, I mean, I won't bore you with all the details, but I mean, it's all about having an owner mindset of all the things you have to do Mm -hmm. and how do you and your husband split up these things, but in a full ownership, not in a, you're going to do only those things that I nag you about. It's like, here is your card. You are in charge of all extracurriculars. So go forth and schedule doctor appointments, get forms filled out, buy the uniform, sign up for the email, buy the coach gift. You know what I mean? All the things. All the things. All (laughs) the things. There's a lot. There's a lot. And you will be surprised when you get this card game and sit down. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know all the things. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, I do great. I pick the kids up from soccer. Look at me. Aren't I doing awesome? And you're going to be like, dude, yeah, you're doing awesome. And there's 92 other tasks that have to happen before you show up for pickup. Yep. And so I'm telling you, this game and book are. I love that. I'm getting that. I love that. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Running your own practice can be scary, whether you're worried about where the next case will come from, feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm, or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good. Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time is a step-by-step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you're prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want and we'll show you how to become a Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. 
Now, I want you to tell us more about your program. Tell us again the name of your program. Yes. So Launch for Your Life. And the premise is not only for business owners, but for people in life. Well, of course, we're all looking for this thing. You know, people are looking for purpose. So it's not my job, obviously, to give you purpose. It's like another person can't give you purpose. But what I can help you to see that once you have come with what what is this thing that brings you joy i love the word joy too by the way yeah but what is this thing that brings you joy what is this thing that you would love to do you have you had our hobbies but what is this thing that you would love to do and actually do those things if you want to be paid for it but it's like okay how do you organize that in a way that you're able to sustain your life and also have a life because you have to, you can't live without the finances it you know we we can't So it's like, what type of life do you want and how can you do that? So creating a realistic and also feasible strategy around it, because I work a lot around business models. Some people don't understand the difference between hobbies, the difference between, you know, like transactional business and the difference between someone actually wanting to take this to a fully operational business. And so and understanding that even if you're in a nonprofit sector, that is still a business. It's a business structure. Sometimes people think business is a bad word. I'm like, no, to business, it just means that you have a transaction. Even nonprofits have business. You are in the business of providing a service, but that service takes funds. It takes you know, people. It takes things. And so you have to have a model around it that makes sense so that you avoid the headache that people get later. And you don't or you're not resentful about this thing and you can have joy around this thing and also still plan to have a life. So I'm really big on that because it took me going through anxiety and stress and depression and all those things along this journey to say, hey, I got to do some things different. I want a better quality of life. I want to put me first and not feel bad about it. I have a saying of no mom guilt. Like you totally no. Like, that's not even a thing. Nobody ever talked about dad guilt, granny guilt, auntie guilt. Why no. mom guilt? You know, it's like I've already literally almost died having a baby because they say that's the closest thing to death. You know, you literally have given up your body for the growing of the baby, totally. the delivery of the baby, which is super dangerous. And then now it's, oh, you want to have a life after being becoming a mom? Oh, that's horrible. How dare you not say I'm only going to be a mother? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it kills me. The guilt. I mean, so many of us put guilt on ourselves about things like, well, I didn't do this or I didn't do this. And I'm thinking, could we talk about the 600 million things you did do? That you did. That you did. I mean, like, let's be serious. I mean, just like you and I were talking about before we got on. I mean, and I'm like telling you that I literally quit being a parent before my children become juniors in high school. Like I purposely am like, here is your life. Let me hand it to you. Let me show you how I've managed it and let you learn how to do it in a way that works for you. And some people probably look at me and think you are the most like neglectful mother. Like here you are hand and all. But I'm thinking I'm doing a jamming job because When they go to college, they are as independent as can be. They don't need me to figure out how to make a doctor appointment, how to get car insurance, how to, you know, sign up for disability. I mean, all the things they know everything. Like I have taught them all the things that they need to know, like how to get insurance on rental and whatever, you know. And to me, that's what we're supposed to be doing is getting ourselves out of a job. 
Absolutely. It's so funny that you said that because when I told you my son started work um, for the first time last week. And so I just so happened to ask him, did you sign up for direct deposit? And he was like, yes, mom, because he has his bank account. He knows. I'm like, oh, so you already knew. How-? He's like, yeah, just logged into my app, got my information. I signed up for that, doing my orientation. I was like, OK. And so to me, it was confirming that, OK, I'm doing some things right. right but also, I think I want to feel still feel needed, too. <laughs> So it's like a tug of war. It's like, I want you prepared, but oh, you didn't need me for that. You know? So I know it's like, okay, job well done. Okay, ma, you you know, you're doing a good job. So he filled out and things he didn't know, you know, he was before then he was like, ma, he said, I think I know my social security number because I had him start memorizing it a while back, but he was like, oh, I got it right. But I guess what? I gave him his other card. So now you got your social security card, you know, where to find, I'm I'm keeping the birth certificate, but he knows, you know, where to find it. He can tell me, but he has those things. So he has his little wallet and his things in there. And, um, it's like, okay, we're supposed to prepare them for life because I remember when I went off to college, there were people who were so lost in things who had, I said, oh my goodness, like you literally didn't know how to do anything. They didn't and know so how to do laundry. They, didn't know do, they definitely didn't know how to do laundry. Nope. I remember I started doing laundry, even though my mom, that's what she loves to do. She loves to do laundry. But I, she had, she taught me, I went away for the summer for a camp right. in eighth grade. And so I was staying on the college campus. And so she showed me how to separate them. And then right. after that, hey, now I know how to do laundry. So by the time, I mean, that was eighth grade, I had to do my own laundry and then keep moving forward. So now I have the kids, my 10 year old, she know I have her separate the items. And then I say, okay, if I'm washing, I'm buying the clothes, buying the the washing powder, buying the, the I need you to work for these clothes. So you going to separate them, or, you know, bring them into something, you know, you got to have a give and take here now. Absolutely. Well, we, I mean, see, and this is, I'm a crazy mom. Like this podcast has made everyone know just how crazy I am. Mine all started doing laundry when they're eight. Like like it's a deal. We, okay. we like hand over, we, they get a laundry basket. It's like a big deal. You know, it's like, yay, you're eight now. I'm taking notes. <laughs> and I'm like, laundry is all you. So I don't touch anybody's laundry after they're eight years old. And they are okay. perfectly capable of managing all their yeah, laundry. They, are. they can manage their towels, their sheets. I mean, I didn't do any of that. Like they had to do it. They had to keep it clean. They had to change their sheets on their beds once a week. And so so I was not the laundry girl in the home at all. Okay. I mean, they learned. Okay. I'm, and, I'm taking note. Yeah. So your 10 year old's going to hate me because you're going to be like, oh, we can do more. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Good for you, though. I mean, I think it's so important to teach them these skills and it mm-hmm. does free up your time. I mean, you'll see when you start doing the fair yeah. play, you'll realize even getting a few tasks off your plate is hugely helpful in getting some of your time back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like now with my youngest in school, I'm just like, oh, okay. Like I can actually get more than like two hours worth of work done before, you know, she's like, I need this, I need that, I need that, you know, so yeah. Completely. Well, I want to talk to you about the chapter that you wrote in the book, The Overcoming Living Our Best Life. Tell us a little bit about the chapter you wrote. It was on redefining you, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. So it really came from a place of some things that we've talked about, not letting not letting society and what's been done in the past run my life in my house, you know, right. and it was really came from a place when I start saying things, when I start talking more about mom guilt is because like when there are very 
pivotal, very, very exciting things happening in my life. I had very young children. And so like going back, I remember feeling bad about me having to leave my one daughter. She was four months. Um, I had, but I had gotten invited to the white house. It's like, who feels bad about going to the white house? <laughs> When your child, she, because actually her birthday just passed. She was born end of July and I got the invitation in November and I went in December. And of course, everything was together and I just kind of felt some kind of way. When I got there, I was okay. And it was like, if it was the opposite and my husband had gotten an invite, there would be no bad feelings about it. He would just None. go. I'm like, yeah, go, woo, woo, woo. There would be no feelings about it, like no bad feelings. And no. so I had to really look into why. And so just thinking about it was, these are all societal constructs that are created oh. that have been around since the beginning of time as women have started to more define who they are, what they're going to take, what they're not going to take, and really look at our lives and what we want them to be. And it's right. like, if I want to empower my daughters and women that come, you know, now women after me, long after me, I have to walk in what I want to happen. And this is what I want to see happening. And so when I thought about the type of life, even I had this conversation with my mom, who is an amazing mother. I don't know how she did some of the things that she did, especially because she raised she raised nine children that's a lot um that's a lot you know and I'm just like my oh and that's why I never thought I would have a lot of children because I'm like even though it was just me and my brothers in the household and then they were gone because the closest siblings to me are 10 years older than me still so it was like they were only in the house for a little bit and then they were gone right and it was like okay that's not what I want for my life in terms of me putting my goals on hold. And right. I've had this conversation with her. I thanked her. I appreciate it because she has, she became a stay at home. She was a cosmetologist and be, she was a stay at home mom by the time I was born. And then right. later she started doing Mary Kay and Tupperware, which helped me to see more women. That was her way to get women around her and rally. Right. And she was great at selling and closing and people. So it made sense. Right. And so I just said, you know what, my like, she supported me through everything I've done. I want to be able to do the things I want to do and have a family. Totally. And I feel like I should be able to do those. So in my chapter, I talked about the things I've did and I've done those things while having children. When I planned my first conference in Paris, I literally, my daughter was born in January. I had posted the trip by March. I was planning it when I was pregnant with her, you know? So at I that point, that. I got the hang of this now. It's like, you got capable parents. You know, you have capable, you have a capable father, you have, you know, help. This is going to happen when he has to travel for events, for trainings. He just does it. She was training in six weeks. We were gone out of town. He, he coaches football in addition to teaching. So we were at a football combine. She was six weeks old. You know, I had I to speak it somewhere. She was six months old. I, so by the time my daughter was six months, she had already gone to like eight states. You know, we That's were amazing. We were we were okay. gone. It's- you have to tell me. I'm going to have to digress. Where does your husband coach football? I am the hugest football fan. My sons were all major football players. We loved it. What? Yes. So, what he, age? He, so he coaches high school. So we're in the Midwest. He coaches oh. um, high school. Now it's Kokia High School. He has coached all ages. He's coached Little League. He's coached, what is it called? The, you have Little League. He's like coached the Pee-wee. Uh, high school. Yep. And like the Pee Wee. Yeah. So he's coached all those levels um, high, for football and uh, basketball. And so we have a coaching life. So we're used to the schedules, the, you know, those things. And it's like, 
our children know that we, we have things to do. We have places to go and people to see, right? Yeah. And I've been able to, to just sit back and watch how that impacts their lives where they're able to, oh, okay, mom, we need to get the blankets. You know, they, they're like, we need this and we need to pack our snacks. And so that takes that teaches them preparedness and all those things teaches them how to get ready and how to do things and they're going to be better for it. So I just think of those experiences. Children can't prepare for things as adults if we don't allow them to get exposure to it as children and to get better and better each time. If you throw adults in a situation, they're like, Right. And they have no experience around it. They're like, what is it like fish? They're like, what am I yeah. going? What's going on? You know, they can't even figure that out because they haven't been exposed. So I, we try to expose our children to things as young as possible so that they can be better prepared adults. Absolutely. I think it makes all the difference. And I think yeah. too, normalizing failures at home, like yes. normalizing yes. that we all fail, like all, yes. I mean, we wouldn't have enough time in a day for me to go over all my failures. Do you know what I mean? Like Look, me either. And I mean, I'm better for it. I'm totally better for it. And I helped someone else and I helped yeah. someone else that was going through it and they got through it because I say, Hey, you don't, don't do that. Let's do this. You know, that way it, you know, wasn't the best and permission to fail in a safe space. Completely. Well, and, and I, that, love I just that, you- that was my colleagues fail permission to fail and to fail in a safe place where you can talk it out and redo something else or go back at it a different way. And that's that resilience and that grit that a lot of the the younger generation are missing because they're like, oh, I failed. It's the end of the world. And it's like, no, you're going to fail a lot more. A lot more. (laughs) A lot (laughs) more. And I mean, I was saying something, I had this leadership retreat and somebody made a comment about something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love when I get to talk to clients that are mad or Mm -hmm. employees. I was like, I learned so much stuff from the stuff I do wrong. You know, like I can have these conversations and they're all looking at me like you are so weird. And I'm like, I'm really not like, this is actually, it's such a learning opportunity if you don't look at it as this big like attack on you, you know, really get your ego out of your failures and just accept that it's just part of life. And so why not turn that mirror on yourself and learn because then you can do better next time. I find failure to be very helpful. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Me too. Very helpful. Well, and I love that you mentioned being able to impact somebody else through your failures. Mm -hmm. I mean, When I think of being an inspiration or impacting others, a lot of times I think people think of the good stuff they're doing and what, you know, people look at, especially in our social media world, people look and they think, oh my gosh, (laughs) this person has everything together. And I'm like, could I put up a sign and be like, no, I don't, you know, it might look like that from the outside, but let's be serious. I have as many struggles as anybody else, probably more just because I have more humans I'm managing, you know, both family and in my own business. I mean, there's struggles every day in every area practically, but I feel like people don't, they forget that when they're thinking, oh, this person is doing this and this person's doing this. I'm like, don't compare yourself to others. Like just accept that we all have struggles. Not, it's just only so many people. It's only chosen people 
who are willing to share. You know, they're not just going to say, hey, everything was great and I never had any problems and everything was always great. And I never lost any money in my business. I never made a bad decision. I never yelled at my kid. I never locked my keys out the car. I never, you know, it's just like in the car, you know, it's just like, just be for real. I, and and then the other thing is I don't have time to remember. Um, I don't have time to make up stuff because I don't have time to remember it. (laughs) I have no time to remember this, this other persona. I just, I have this one right here. Only thing changes when I go in meetings is the jargon, you know, depending on what table, that's the only thing changes with me. I'm going to have, you know, whatever jargon or things I need to speak at that table. That's the only thing changes. Other than that, I'm the same. (laughs) I think that though is the key to this life actually to making it. It's that authenticity that everything And I do think, I think being able to be candid about our failures and candid Mm -hmm. about our problems, to me, it's super freeing because I know then that everybody knows that I have all the problems they have. And like, there's no barrier between us when we're having a conversation around things. And you can then really get in personal connection with somebody and really dig in and get the support and help you need because there is no barrier. I find people who pretend like everything is perfect all the time. I can't, I don't even, I don't have anything to say to them. I don't even have the energy. It's like, oh, well, I don't know if I I don't have anything in common with you because guess what? I mean, I just messed up like an hour ago. So seconds ago, right. Look, I I don't know what to tell you. I just. Exactly. Exactly. And it takes away their humanness too. Like I like human to human connection. If I wanted something perfect, even though computers on, I'll be be friends with a computer if I just wanted something that was going to compute and spit out what I put in. You know what I mean? Like I I want that human to human connection that that makes it it real, and that's what differentiates us from other things from this water bottle. You know what I mean? Like that connection. You know, so yeah. Well, tell me how can people work with you? Like if they want to find you, they want to find your new program, they want to work with you. How would somebody reach out and do that? Yes. So you can go to my website, which is devinmoodygram.com. If you have a question about something, I'm always open to um I'm on LinkedIn as Devin Moody Graham. Okay. I'm on Instagram. People a lot of times people DM me for questions. I have resources on my Instagram link. So like a few people um they're always asking about how do I like pitch an idea? I have some resources and some upcoming resources as well that really speak to how to pitch this idea because a lot of times we keep all these things in our head, but nothing can come from things that are in your head. If they don't get out on paper, if you don't tell anybody, it's not going to happen. Exactly. And so and and then even if you just want to follow my journey, um, it's it's not a, a super it's not the what is it? The picturesque or the perfect Instagram It's literally my life is mostly my kids is, you know, stuff that happens. And I'm also going to share those vulnerable moments right. when I need to. And um, so, yeah, I'm on everything, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and just, uh, or an email. So yeah, I'm going to be found everywhere. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate it. I'm so glad we got to connect today. Yes. Now, of course, we're going to have to share our, you know, trips to New Orleans or trips to Paris stories. Yes. But um, I really appreciate your time today. And again, thank you so much for your patience. My own technological struggles that I always have. <laughs> right. Not a problem at all. I'm so glad that we've connected. Yes. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.